tendency for college students to like, oh, I got to bring a dessert, so let's like stop off at the grocery store and pick up like pop tarts, you know? And it's like, oh, it's dessert. No, it's really gross actually. So, uh, yeah, like let's try to like put some thought into it, like look some recipes up, kind of do that. Um, I just highly encourage you to do that, you know, all of you. So, uh, well, let me let me just zero in kind of on what we're talking about this morning. Just uh, over the last few weeks, we've really spent uh, a lot of time talking about uh, love. Really, that's a huge aspect of what we're trying to uh, cover this summer. It's the idea of, of love. And so we've uh, aptly named this summer series Summer Lovin'. Yeah, kind of like that old retro 70s feel. Uh, so let's look. Uh, at week one, Jonathan, uh, he talked a little bit about uh, this idea of love, something that's bigger, it's overarching. He came out of 1 John chapter 4, verse uh, 7 through 11. And uh, the main point out of that message was that I can only love when I experience God's love. Right? I can only love when I experience God's love. So it's not something that's fabricated. It doesn't just come out of thin air. It's something that we need to experience. That when we experience God, when we know God, the overflow of that it flows out of us. And then we can truly love other people as a result. Uh, last week, Jonathan talked about uh, what a neighbor is, and we see that in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Uh, this is kind of a, the classic Jesus situation where a lawyer comes and asks him a question. And Jesus, I don't know if you guys know this about Jesus, but anytime you ask him a question, you're likely to get at least two or three in response, two or three questions back in response. And that's pretty much exactly what happens in this story. Uh, Jesus lays out a scenario to him uh, about who, this, who would be a neighbor in this specific circumstance. And so the lawyer is like, okay, like, I think it would, be, it would be this guy. But Jesus doesn't necessarily just throw the question back as a response. He says to him, you and go, go and do likewise, right? There's like an action that's associated with it. So how do we love our neighbors? Uh, so I'd recommend go back. If you haven't heard those messages or, or are just kind of curious to learn more about those, you can go ahead and check those messages out online at our website. Uh, we post all the messages every single week. So if you miss a week, you want to check it out, see kind of, hey, what did I miss? Uh, what's an aspect of love that I missed this last week or the week before? You can certainly go ahead and do that. We actually have the podcast on the Apple Store as well. So just do a search for Bluemont Church, and it should pop right up at the top. So uh, that being said, we're going to take uh, the next step beyond who our neighbor is, which is what Jonathan talked about last week, beyond who our neighbor is to loving imperfect people around us which I don't know if I'm, you guys are like me, but um, I don't think you really have to think very hard to think of imperfect people around you, right? It's like, oh yeah, I can think of like 15 people right now in my mind who these people are. Um, so that's just something that we're really going to talk about. Um, but really, there's a reality that imperfect people, the people that are closest to us, have a tendency of hurting us the most. Right? I don't know if, if your experiences have been like mine, but it's funny how someone who's very close to you can say something uh, really innocuous or not really like that, um, that much of an edge, but it just hurts because that person said it, right? But if anybody else said it, you'd be like, oh, it's like no big deal, right? It's, who cares? But there's something about just the relationship that we have with close people that are in our lives that ultimately have impact 
on us. And really, I mean, what better day to just present that to us than Father's Day, right? I think every single one of us, I'm a father, there's multiple fathers who are in this room. Uh, We all have fathers, whether they've been in our lives or they haven't been in our lives. There's a lot of joy that can be in this day, but there can also be a lot of pain, right? Uh, And I think for many of us, you know, the things that fathers do in every single one of us in in our lives, what they say to us, how they respond to us, there's, there's times where it's amazing. We have such incredible memories, but fathers are also imperfect people, right? They can say things that cut you like nobody else, and and there's just such a weightiness to fatherhood that um, if you are a father in this room, you understand that, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I know for a fact, I'm, you know, I think all of us have daddy issues. It's, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just like the things that we grow up with have an impact on us. They, they, they have a huge impact on us, whether we have fathers in our lives or not. Um, so, yeah, so... Really, I remember just a, a time with my dad where, um, you know, he said some things. And he, listen, he had a huge responsibility. Growing up, uh, he was a, a father who was in my life, but he wasn't at the same time. He was starting a business. He was an entrepreneur. And so he had this weight and responsibility of making this business become successful. So it required just an immense amount of energy and time and resources that he put into it. And, and that was a sacrifice, you know, being in the family, it was, it was a sacrifice that we had to make, right, of him putting in these hours and the time to financially provide for us and to make this business successful. And I understand, like, now that I'm a father, I totally understand kind of where he was at. And so that whole, uh, that whole stage of growing up, it was, it was difficult. But now I'm in a position where I'm a father, and I'm also a soon-to-be father again, if you haven't heard. Uh, yeah, so we're telling people in case it's out there now for everybody to know. But there's a weightiness to it. And, uh, but now it's really great because my dad, he's kind of stepping out of his business a little bit more. Even though we're half a country away, he lives in Buffalo, New York half the year, Florida the other half, and I'm here in Kansas. It's still half a country away. We have just an incredible opportunity to spend time with each other in ways that we never could before. So every single year, uh, we are, are rabid Bills fans, Buffalo Bills football team, right? Okay, in case you haven't heard them, they're terrible. Uh, they're just atrociously bad. Uh, and so our record, we've gone, I think, the last six or seven years to a Bills game, and it's a way game every single year. So we've been to uh, Philadelphia, we've been to Denver, we've been to Seattle, we've been to New York City. Uh, you know, we've been, we've been all over the place to these games. And the cool thing about it is, is that I have a chance just to hang out, me and my dad, on that one weekend every single year. And it's like, it's just us, you know? It's just us connecting, and I get to see him for who he is more. And, you know, now that I'm grown up, I get to see his challenges, his struggles. I can identify with it even more. And so uh, it's just a really cool opportunity. This year, we get to go to Green Bay and go to Lambeau Field. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. That's going to be so fun uh, for us. But... But there's just a, there's a re- reality and a weightiness to fatherhood that they're imperfect people. Uh, here's another story. For example, I, a few years ago, I lived with uh, like 12 guys in a house. Okay? I, I was out of graduate school. I moved here to Manhattan, Kansas. And uh, there was John Griffith, who was formerly here. He's not here any longer. He, he lives in Lawrence. But 
he approached me one day and said, hey, I have this crazy idea to, to move in with like 10 guys and to do discipleship really intensely in this house. And for me, I was in graduate school. I had just gotten out. I was working a full-time job, which was pretty much like 55 to 60 hours a week. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I know how I was in college, and I'm intentionally signing up to be with dudes who I was like in college, but not only just dudes who were like me, 10 of them. Like, do I really want to do this? Like, I really had to think about it and seriously pray about it. But I said, you know what, let's do it. And I will tell you this. There is nothing more infuriating than the really small things that just bother you beyond belief when you live in close proximity to people. Like, for example, you know, not naming anybody, but um, doing dishes is, like, really infuriating to me. Like, we had this thing that was just, hey, yeah, we're college students, just toss the dishes in the sink, and they pile up. You know, literally, it's, it's almost like you're the great, you know, pyramid of Gaza, like, just a pyramid of Giza, just, like, building this giant, like, structure, and I'm like, guys, like, I know you're, some of you are architect students, but let's not do it in the sink, okay? Like, this is not cool. Um, you know, just, I was the oldest guy in the house. I had a job. I worked regularly. So college students, they, they like staying up late at night. And those things, like, have a tendency to wear on you. And it was really challenging. And I may not have responded the best way at, like, 2 in the morning. I don't know if, you know, if anybody else would be like that. But mm, that's how I was. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's the truth is, one of the hardest things for, for people, for us, to do is to live in close proximity with people. We understand people's imperfections and how we deal with those. It's very real, right? And I think one of the hardest things for us to do is to understand how people, yeah, like maybe they didn't do dishes, but they brought something to the house that was so beneficial and impactful. And I think one of the hardest things for us to do is understand how our differences, our differences in personality, ultimately everybody can, can live together and bring glory to God while benefiting one another as well. And that's really, really hard to do. So how do we love imperfect people? Here's the question. So let's, let's get to the answer. Okay, we're going to make this really practical today. So uh, jot these down. It's going to be really helpful for us. The first thing we need to do is we need to remember the gospel at all times. First and foremost, everything needs to go back to the gospel. What's the gospel? Ultimately, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. Christ coming and being the first act, the first act of love that pushed us to be where we are today. God ultimately was intentional. He pursued us when we were unworthy of being pursued. Right? And why is this so important? Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 12 and 16. I'll have the verses up here. If you don't have uh, a Bible, I highly recommend we give them away for free. They're actually on this table over here. Take one home with you. Dig into it. Read through it. Highly encourage you to go ahead and do it. It's totally free. Um, if you have a Bible, please don't just take it and add to the collection. I don't know if you are like me. I have like a ton of them, different versions, all that kind of stuff. But uh, really, like we highly want to get those, those into people's hands. So if you don't have one, feel free to take it. It's totally free. So let's take a look at verse 12 here. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing to me his service, to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, 
But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Keep an eye on that verse. That's really important. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Right? That goes back to kind of what we said earlier. Like the love that we have for other people overflows out of the love that Christ has for us. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, as the foremost sinner, the one who exemplifies sin better than anybody else, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Did you catch it? I don't know if you caught what I was, the point I was making, but really what it's saying is that even when we're unworthy of love, God demonstrated the epitome of love through His Son. Right? I was reading last night, and a verse really stood out to me. It was in Isaiah 53. I don't have it on the screen. I'm just going to quote it to you right now. Isaiah 53, verse 2. And this is written hundreds of years before Christ even came. And what he says is, what the, what the prophet Isaiah says is that Jesus, there was nothing in him that would attract us to him, right? And I think as you read throughout the rest of the gospel and you read throughout a majority of the Old Testament, especially the prophets, you see even some of that flipped on its head. You see that there was nothing even in us that would attract God to us. That in the full weightiness of our sin and our brokenness, and our, and our muck, and garbage, that God ultimately, the, the fullness of love was demonstrated in Christ sending His Son to us when we were not even deserving of it. And that to me is just such an amazing truth that a lot of times we forget. We forget the, the truth of that, right? In 1 John 4.19, again, I don't have this on the screen, but uh, 1 John chapter 4 is just, it's it's talking so much about love. I would highly recommend just reading that entire chapter. But it talks about how Christ loved us. The, the epitome of love, the way that we know love is that Christ first loved us, that God first loved us, that it was first. That it wasn't that we loved him, but he loved us. And that's so important. We need to really remember the gospel at all times. And that's so powerful when we think about other people around us, right? That, that you know... As perfect as, as we think we are, which I don't know about you, but I know all of my imperfections probably better than anybody else. Like, I know myself to my core and the things that make me who I am. And really, like, I know my own struggles. I know my own challenges probably better than anybody else. And that's true for all of us. So when we see ourselves the way God sees us, we can love others the way that God loves us. The second thing is this. We need to be an encourager, not a discourager. We need to be an encourager, not a discourager. Now, I will say this. There are people who are incredibly gifted at um, encouraging, right? There are just people who are naturally gifted at that. Hey, like, how you doing, man? Oh, I love, I love you. I love the way that you do. I don't know if you notice, but I'm not really good at it, okay? Like, I'm not a natural encourager. I thank God for people who are that way, but... Because of this, I mean, just thinking through, like, 
I really have to put effort and energy into really thinking about encouragement, especially when dealing with imperfect people. Uh, there was a situation when I was working uh, my job. I mentioned how I was working a full-time job uh, here in town at a company, a local company, before coming uh, into vocational ministry. And, and uh, one of the things that was uh, interesting, there was a lady that was there working with us that was just... Um, how do I describe it? She's just really not the most encouraging person to be around, right? Like, you know the people who just complain about everything, and you're just like, how long do I have to sit here with you? Like, it's just, you know, and I'm just being real, okay? Like, obviously, I think this is true for, for all of us. We all know people who are like okay, I really wish you leave the room right now. Like, I just don't want to see your face right now. Like, it's just, you're really discouraging to be around. And, and there, there was just, I remember when I started uh, working, it was right around the time that God had just gotten a hold of me and I really just came to know him in a much more real and tangible way. And, and I repented and just, I wanted to be um, so, I wanted my faith to be so evident to everybody around me. I wanted it to be just so blatantly obvious. And I'm still that way today. I don't know if you, you know me. I really want that just to be the truth of who I am. And so when I would spend time with this person at work or ask her for questions because she was the most um, seasoned worker who was in my department, I would ask her all these things and she'd be really discouraging or complaining, all these things. I would just make it kind of a, a mental note that every time she complained, I would say something encouraging to her. And it was kind of like, I'd, call, I'd go back to my office, and I'm like, is this working? Like, I don't even know if this is working. I don't know. It just, it's, it's so hard because it's like every day there's five encouraging things I have to say to this person. Um, yeah, it's, it was really difficult. I'll just be completely honest. So the thing is that when the time came for me, it was two years later, when the time came for me to leave that position, that job, uh, and I communicated it to my department. I told them, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going into vocational ministry. I'll be uh, reaching out to, to college students just to be encouraging and, and helping them through you know, life situations, all these things, discipling them. She's not a Christian, but she said to me something that was one of the best compliments I've ever received in my entire life, and it was this. It was simply, I could totally see that. It's so simple, right? Like, I could totally see that. Why? That was just the culmination of two years of every time she says something negative, I'm responding with something positive, something encouraging, okay? And that is like, I'll just tell you, it's like I need to kind of refresh myself daily, regularly to be an encourager because it is difficult. It's difficult when you're dealing with imperfect people. It's really hard. And take a look at what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verse 9 through 11. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that gospel right there. Who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. I included, I could have just easily, and, and I'm, let me explain this. The reason I added verses 9 and 10 in this context and just discussing it 
is that anytime you see the word therefore, you need to know what it's there for. Right? Does that make sense? The word therefore, why is it there? Okay, let's take a look. The context. Because of the gospel, because we're found in Christ Jesus, we're called to be encouragers. We're called to be encouragers. Building one another up, just as you're doing. The church, church in Thessalonica, I'm guessing that's what they were doing. They were building each other up. They were heavy encouragers. So that's something that we also are called to do as well. Number three, we need to release imperfect people around us to be free. Release imperfect people around you to be free. I don't know about you, but God designed you a certain way. He's also designed other people around you a certain way. And a lot of times the things that just irritate us about other people, they're not necessarily wrong. It's not necessarily a sin issue that people are dealing with. It's just conflicts of personalities. For example, um, we, uh, this last year we went through a spiritual gifts kind of assessment. It was like a six-week thing. And one of the things that came out of it was that I am a very task-oriented, structured person. That's like the makeup of who I am. There are other people who are very people-oriented and very unstructured, right? Reagan is one of them, right? There's people who are like that. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way that God has designed us to be, right? That's the way God designs us to be. God designs every single person in this room to be different in certain ways. And so there needs to be kind of a reality where it's like, okay, like, you can do you, and I can do me, right? This is, this is what it means to be a powerful person. You are responsible for you. I am responsible for me. I'm going to release you to be you, and I'm going to release myself to be me. And that's all it is, right? Take a look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained this, he's talking about the resurrection, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on to make it my own. A lot of times you'll see these uh, verses that are like memes online and they're supposed to be meant to be like, oh, it's so inspiring. But really, I think this verse is talking specifically about this is me doing me and I'm pushing forward with what, how God designed me to be, Right? I know the truth. I know the truth of the resurrection. God designed me to be this way. I'm pressing on to take hold of it and to make it my own. Right? I think that's exactly what he's saying here. And I think there's a truth to it for every single one of us that regardless of how God has designed you to be, that might mean something different for, for Jehu than it does for, for Eric, than it does for Reagan, than it does for me. Right? It means something different for every single one of us. So we need to be able to release people to be free around us. The fourth thing is we need to be humble and confess our sins. Be humble and confess your sins. I mentioned it earlier, but uh, it's, it's really easy. There's, uh, Jesus talks about, you know, don't, don't be so quick to point out the speck in somebody else's eye before you pull the plank out of your own, right? Um, a lot of times pride gets in the way of that. And I really 
I, I mentioned this earlier, but I think that we know ourselves deeply and the pride sometimes that we see in other people and calling other people out, it's just, it's like a blinder to even the problem in our own lives. Right? Does that make sense? You guys follow? And um, yeah, like the two most potent core sin issues, I think, that we personally, I'm not talking about other people, I'm talking about me personally, you personally, that we all struggle with, that we need to deal with, are two things. Number one, self-sufficiency. I can do everything by myself. I don't need help from anybody. Right? And self-righteousness. I am the best person I know at everything. Right? I don't need help from anybody, and I can do everything myself, and I'm, I'm awesome. And that, truthfully, like, I think maybe at our, at our core we probably know that's not true, but sometimes how we communicate to other people, it conveys that message, that we are self-sufficient and that we are self-righteous. But that's something that ultimately, those are core sins that we need to just kill. We just absolutely need to kill it. Take a look at what James says in James 5, verse 16. It's up on the screen here. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person. Confess your sins. Basically, that verse, the, 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 the statement that's preceding being a righteous person is that we're confessing our sins one to another. Hey, here's something that I'm struggling with. This is an issue I have. I'd love prayer for it. Okay, hey, hey, this is something I'm struggling with too. Let's pray for each other. Okay, and I'm not saying make it like a, like a counseling session where you're just like, oh man, I stink at this. Yeah, I stink at this too. Oh, I stink at this. It's, it's no, like I'm confessing this sin and I'm repenting. I don't want to be this way anymore. Hold me accountable. Let's find some consequences for me walking into this again, you know? Does that make sense? Do you guys follow with me? Right? When we pray for one another, when we're lifting each other up, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. It does something. There's something powerful that when we pray for one another in a place of confession, repentance, God is doing something in that moment. And truthfully, I don't understand that. That's just one of those mysteries of, of God's word that he doesn't necessarily make clear. That prayer does something. It does something in us. It does something for other people that I can extend my faith and be really who God has called me to be for other people as well. And I can have an impact on other people because God's empowering me to do that. Like, I just don't get it, but I know that's true. So I want to do that. So here's a question to think to yourself. What is the most common thing among those, the, the most common theme among those close to you? Is it confession or is it correction? Let me say that again. What's the most common theme among those close to you? Is it confession? You being vulnerable, sharing your struggles, your challenges, or is it correction? Pointing out specks in people's eyes. What's the common theme? Lastly, we need to live and change within the community. We need to live and change within the community. Take a look back at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Paul is saying this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So this is pretty much a follow-up of the previous statement he was saying. I do not consider that I've made it my own, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Notice he's talking about changing. Hey, what's behind me is behind me. It's gone. It's behind me. My focus is over here. It's on what's ahead. And what does that mean? I'm not focused on the person I was. I'm focused on the person I'm becoming. I'm focusing on the changes, on the person I'm changing, the person I'm becoming. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward, right? He's changing. In fact, that's one of our core values here at Bluemont is that growing people change, right? If I'm the same person I was five years ago, there's a problem. There's, there's a problem in that. I, I'm not growing if I'm the exact same person I was five years ago. Think about it like this. In the context of a marriage, right? I've heard people say this, and it, to me, it, it, it bugs me a little bit. Again, it's, it's not like a, this isn't like a sin or anything like that, but it's just something I think about. When people say, I, lo- I love my spouse. You know, I've been married X amount of years or however long. I love my spouse the same as I, you know, the day I married her. I, I would hope that's not true, <laughs> to be honest with you, because it's like, there's something wrong with that. You should love your spouse so much more than the day you married them, the longer you're with them, right? Because you're changing, you're growing. Does that make sense? Do you guys follow? It's the same way. It's our relationship with God. I would hope that my love for God, it's growing and it's changing. I don't want it to stay the same. I don't want it to stick in the same place all the time. I want it to continually be growing and changing. So we have to recognize that. If, you know, maybe think about that to yourself. Like, am I really in the same place as I was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago? And if so, what is preventing me from growing? God, God help me understand what are those things that is preventing me from growing into the person that you're calling me to be? You know, we want to, the whole purpose of the church is to be the body of Christ. To have our strengths and our weaknesses all together in the same place so that our strengths help overcome our weaknesses. And the more people that we bring into this mix, the more our weaknesses are covered. Right? That's the goal, is that we're covering each other's weaknesses. That's, it's so important for us to be in community, to be the body of Christ, to be connected to one another. It's so important. Uh, There are no lone wolf Christians in the world. You can't do it on your own. It's impossible. Anytime you see examples throughout the New Testament of people who who, who are called Christians, that word literally meant little Christ. Little Christ. They were constantly in community with each other. They were doing things together. They were growing and changing together. There's something about being in community that helps us grow and become the people that we're designed to be. I have weak spots and blind spots that I literally have no idea even exist unless people point them out to me. They just, I would never know they exist. So when I first moved here to Manhattan, uh, what was it, six, seven years ago, and I started getting into this community, at the time it was you know, maybe 30, 35 people. It was a lot smaller. Um, I never experienced people calling things out in me and saying, hey, like, 
your words are not matching up with the way that you're living. What's that about? And I, I was like, hang on, what? What? Are you, what? Are you, okay. Nobody's ever said this to me. I've grown up in the church my entire life. Never had somebody who was in my life who was that person. And it was like, it was really hard at the time to hear that. But I'm so thankful that somebody was like, I don't want you to be that same person. I want to see you grow to become the person God's calling you to be. Right? Take a look at this uh, uh, verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. The body is made up of the members of Christ, and God has put them in the body, okay? A lot of times people have this tendency to think, oh, I'm choosing a certain church to go to. Actually, biblically, what it says is, God is choosing the church for you. That he is placing you in a body of believers for a specific purpose to ultimately grow and mold you and shape you to become more Christ-like. That's, that's the truth. You know? So that's something that we need to really realize that our families and our church community, you know, they're the perfect God-designed relationships for us to have opportunities to love and for us to be changed and to grow in our love for others. You know, we've said this before, um, this is kind of a theme of ours, but God doesn't call us to do really difficult things, he calls us to do impossible things. That we can't do this apart from him. We can't love people the way that we need to apart from God. We can't love people the way that, uh, that God calls us to apart from him, apart from living in community, apart from changing and growing. So, the five points. Remember the gospel. Okay? We need to remember the gospel at all times. We need to be an encourager, not a discourager. We need to release imperfect people around you to be free. We need to be humble and confess your sins right? Confessing our sins to one another. We need to live and change within the community. All right. Summer crowd affords us this opportunity, so does anybody have any questions or, or thoughts on any specific one of those? Does any of those really stand out to you in a, in a powerful way? Yeah, 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 how to change the atmosphere when people, so the specific examples of just the, the complaining that I mentioned was more just referring to uh, the company. It was a lot of complaint. oh my gosh, like, this company makes us work so hard, the pay is terrible, you know, just et cetera, et cetera, and it's like, man, I'm so blessed to have a job right now, man, it's awesome, I'm so glad that God's given this opportunity to me, you know. It's great to be here with people who are, you know, are passionate about what they're doing and just, you know, a lot of it was just conflicting kind of what they were saying, but it was, it was meant to be like real positive and encouraging. And, and let me tell you, I don't know about you, but it's, it's real easy. This is a, a struggle of mine. I'll be completely blatant. Um, 
just so you know, I, the people who are up here who, you know, give the messages and stuff, we, we have, like, tons of problems that we deal with on our own, so we're not perfect people. We're, we're working through all this stuff just like everybody else. Um, it is really easy for me to get caught up in, like, the gossip atmosphere. It's really easy for me. I'll just be completely honest. Um, sometimes it's really hard for my brain to be like, wait, no, that's, that's, I should not do this. Okay, let's be encouraging. It's, I, I really have to catch myself. Um, so I kind of knew going into it, like, I had to be super intentional in every single conversation, if that makes sense. Like, I knew that it was ultimately going to turn into a gossip atmosphere. And so if I prepared myself mentally going into that, it was like, okay, no, I can conflict and confront that issue as soon as it comes up, you know? I don't know, does that help? Is that, yeah, yeah, Elaine. Mm-hmm. That really takes time, though. You, you have to, like, pause. Because I think the first thing we want to do is get the answer. Sure. Um, and I think that asking a question could really diffuse the whole piping or just to see where their heart is coming from. Sure. I don't know. If it's genuine. With difficult people. Yeah. Like, ask the question, well, why do you think that? Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Something I learned, um, this was a few years ago when, um, so my job primarily consisted of talking with clients over the phone. It was, I was working with people, municipalities all over the U.S. And um, so we were kind of talking about I mean, it was like body language, but also tone of voice really has a tendency of conveying things that you really don't realize when you say certain things. And I mentioned, I don't know if I, I definitely agree with you that asking questions is really helpful. And I have a tendency to think that Jesus was really genuine in his question asking. A lot of times when you ask questions back, it can be really condescending. You know what I mean? Like, you can think of, like, oh, like, um, I'll, I'll just be on, Rachel's not here, so I can say it. Th- th- this, and it's not her. It's, I totally do it to her sometimes, and she's just like, get, get away from me. You know, like, like, you can ask a question that's super condescending, and she knows the answer to, and I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't use that tone when asking it. You know, it's like, you know, your spouse, you know your spouse is better than anybody else, and it's like, you know their tone, and you're just like, okay, shut up now. Like, please, just stop. So, yeah. I think just really, like, having a genuineness and really, at, like, okay, like, but, but I think really a lot of that comes down to um, the difference between listening and waiting to talk, Absolutely. right? Like, we all know people like that. I'm just waiting to talk. Like, am I, am I really listening to what this person is saying? Am I trying to understand and um, have compassion for their situation. Yeah. That's great, Elaine. Thank you so much. Yeah, Eric. I have to listen to a lot of stuff. So, I do have a listening ear. Are you talking about me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the people I've seen now, in particular. But, especially the hardcores, it's, it's easy to dismantle them if you come back with something very simple. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not coming out of a place of, yeah, like, I have such a great attitude. How come your attitude is terrible? You know, I like a... No, 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 no right. I try not to be, uh, I try to be humble. Like sure, that. yeah. And, and sure, I mean, and have joy in your heart. If you have joy in your heart, stay human. Uh-huh. And that's what we all should try to do. Yeah. That's good. I appreciate that. Thank you. One more. Anyone else? What are you hearing? Yeah, Bailey. Uh-huh, yeah. But um, it's always inc- or I, it seems to be effective to be like, wow, I wonder what she's going through right now. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, I wonder if, <clears throat> or if it's like, if we both know the girl well, or the guy or whoever, be like, oh, wow, I wonder if, if her relationship with her mom has gotten better lately, or anything, you know? Yeah. Just to like, give them that deeper perspective mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be surprised, honestly, like, okay, this is like shameless um, confession before every single person in here. Um, there's a show that my wife and I have been watching lately that I'm kind of embarrassed to share with you. Uh, it's Project Runway, you know? It's like, yeah, it's like so embarrassing, but... It's, we've been watching Project Runway. I kind of like um, Gordon Ramsay, Hell's Kitchen also. It's like these competitions, and it's like the drama that just is, is so ridiculous. It's like one person says something nasty about another person, and then it's like the game of telephone you played when you were little, and it just blows up into something, and then they're like, wait, what? Like, that's not even close to being true. And then everybody just takes one person's side, and it's just like... Man, I feel like people just thrive on drama. Like, wh- like, what is the story here? Like, just, you know, so it's kind of like, even watching this, it's, it's like, my faith in humanity is like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, this is, this is really tough. But, but um, I think I've really learned just watching this to just have, um, to really just put aside what other people are saying about other people, if that makes sense, or what somebody says about another person, and just think, hey, like, I'm just going to hold this person to high esteem and no matter what, because that's the way that God sees them. Like, if, if there's a situation that comes up, somebody does something, and I hear about it secondhand, hey, like, I'm not going to pass judgment, because I, truthfully, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not in that position. That's not been my experience. Um, I'm just going to believe the best about this person, and, you know, I just, that's the, the attitude that I really want to carry with me. Um, just when interacting with people, and so, and that's really hard to do sometimes, you know. It's easy to get sucked into those conversations, but don't be like those people on Project Runway and Hell's Kitchen. So, anyway, well, good. Uh, let's pray, and uh, Reagan's going to come up and send us out. Father, we thank you so much just for uh, just this this incredible opportunity that um, that you've given to us, God. That. Uh, we thank you so much that it's Father's Day, that there are, there are fathers in our lives that are so impactful, 
Um, God, I pray for people who maybe didn't have a great relationship with their father in here. God, I pray that, um, God, thank you so much that you are a perfect father. And we can look to you, that we see who you are, that you are uh, the epitome of love, God, that you bring that, you've demonstrated it in your son. God, I pray that, uh, that for these imperfect people around us, God, that we would hold them to high esteem, that we would, uh, we would tr- truly love them the way that you love us in our imperfection. Uh, and God, I just ask that as we leave this place this morning, that, um, God, you would speak to us, you would take this, uh, this, this message, you would, you would you know, put it into our hearts, God, that it would be impactful for us throughout this week. God, we thank you, we love you. In your name, amen.